what will happen now when you're asking them to come up with a phone, an iPad, a laptop, a desktop? Do they have them? Where will they find them? Government services are closed. You can't just go to the library. Hmm. And if you have multiple children in a home, who's going to be privileged to learn? Hi there, and welcome to the Pondering Dam podcast, where we talk all things teaching, education, pedagogy, and technology. I'm your host, Danny Summerall, and if you're new to the show, make sure you leave a review and share with your peers. Connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Pondering Dan, as well as at PonderingDan.com. This week's guest on the podcast is Natasha Fagali. Natasha comes to us this week from Windsor, Ontario in Canada, and will share her experiences as an educator during these uncertain times. She's a teacher in the Greater Essex County School Board, an ESL and Literacy Instructional Coach, as well as an award-winning Canadian for her for her philanthropy and community and strong dedication to education. She's the recipient of the 40 Under 40 United Way Leadership Windsor Essex Award for 2018, as well as numerous other awards and recognitions. She's an international educator working overseas throughout her career while giving workshops, seminars, and conferences nationally and internationally. She's taught in China, France, Kuwait, and Ontario for 10 years. You can connect with Natasha on Twitter at N-E-F-E-G-H-A-L-I. That's N-E-F-E-G-H-A-L-I. So thank you so much for being a guest on this week's episode, Natasha. I feel really honoured to be speaking with you. (laughs) It's my absolute pleasure. I am so grateful and I really look forward to uh, this conversation. Yes, me too. So as someone that's worked in many, many countries, I can only imagine that you're hearing many different stories of how the COVID-19 crisis (laughs) is affecting them and at the same time, uh, be very much able to relate to them. Oh, yes, absolutely. And Dan, actually, this week that has just passed, so the week passed, I was traveling back to Kuwait for the week, and I was to host a two-day workshop at the uh, American Bilingual School. So everything has really just been canceled. It's it's unbelievable. It's, it's totally unbelievable. And all over uh, from, from what I've seen and what I've been reading every day, ravagely reading, uh, everyone is feeling the exact same immense amount of pressure in education as mm. how are we going to best service the needs of our students at this time. Yeah, it's, um, there's a lot of anxiety. But I think a lot of the teachers that I've spoken to, especially in my school, actually have a bit of a positive mindset about how to deal with how students are going to learn from home, which has really impressed me. Of course, there's the anxiety about the unknown with the virus itself, but as far as um, doing something different and getting out of their comfort zone, um, I'm really impressed with the teachers at my school with how well they're sort of embracing everything. But can you explain a little bit about what the situation is in Windsor in Canada right now for you in regards to school closures? So this past week, we had a, um, this past week, we had uh, a holiday. It was our March break holiday. From the March break holiday, now on Monday, will be the official first day of school closure. So that's March 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we are preparing for this 
in first off our our union our elementary teachers federation it's preparing because we were in a round of negotiations which now they've come to a collective uh, agreement they've they've settled on on an agreement so that will be the predicate to how we behave um, how we teach and what is our expectation going forward mm. and for for different um, levels of education there are some educational supports online already however is this something that is say thoroughly developed and and we're doing MOOCs and and we have a blackboard learning no not not to my knowledge it, it is possible in other provinces however uh, working with teachers and collaborating with teachers via social media sites like Twitter and and reading their feeds I don't know that everyone is prepared for what's to come mm. so did you get any warning like was it you went home on a Friday night and then over the weekend you were told well hang on you're not coming to school on Monday anymore um, well on the Friday we learned that schools will be closed indefinitely uh, no no I'm sorry not indefinitely uh, until April 5th and that you know come monday the 23rd and rightfully so that we're asked to be ready for work and and whatever work will be directed to us from our school board and mm. then and that we're asked and ready to work come monday the 23rd yeah. see here in um, australia we've been expecting to be closed and a lot of there's a bit of uproar at the moment that we're not closed um but we've been told by our Victorian Premier just today, actually, he made an announcement to say that uh, this coming Friday will be a student-free day for all Victorian students uh, because that's okay. our last—it's our last day of school term anyway. Um, and right. then we and then we break for two weeks, and then the first day of term two will be a. Um, a student-free day as well, and they're designed to apparently help teachers prepare to be able to teach remotely. And and like I was talking to you before we began the podcast, you know, a lot of us are, are pretty well prepared now already. We're just waiting to be told to be closed. So we're sort of, it feels like this weird limbo land for us. Um, right. You know, just waiting to be told that we're not opening tomorrow. But it's it's interesting to compare, you know, you've been shut for a week. We're not shut yet. We might not be for a week. So we'll see what happens. But um, in talking to you as well, it's interesting to know that your role is very similar to mine in that you do a lot of work yes. to support teachers. So yes, yes. I guess um, with your school and with your role, so what have you been doing to support your educators there? Well, I, I've been waiting for directive from my coordinator. So because I work in ESL and literacy, most of what we've done has been in person. And uh, we've always collaborated with the teachers during their preparation periods to prepare resources for different lessons that they're going to be conducting, social studies, math, as well as I work with small groups of primary age students. And I do a literacy program with them, which is called LLI, Leveled Literacy Intervention. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. So program. you know it. Yeah. 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 So it's awesome. Yeah. This is going to be very interesting in the way that. Are, how are we going to still be able to support those students in literacy? Are we going to conduct our own group sessions where the students log in with us and then, and then we do a literacy? Because 
I would think, in, in my opinion, that that would be really an effective way uh, if the students are already hooked up online and as well as it could happen, say, during the students' Uh, the teacher's uh, preparation period, we can organize that, send it to the teachers, and they can send it out to the students. So, in fact, because we just were notified Friday, we've been given directive that we will be working on Monday and to expect to work and to be prepared for it. Have we received the bulk of what we're going to be doing? Not yet. I say that, not yet. Um, <laughs> And then once we know, I believe that will be when the expectation uh, begins on what to prepare and how to prepare and how to deliver it. Yeah. So we're, and as I said, we were just in the middle of bargaining for our collective agreement for our jobs. So that's now been uh, rectified and, and an agreement, a tentative ag agreement has been struck, uh, which of course, you know, with unions, there are obviously different levels that will need to take place now in order to agree on what's been adopted. However, will all of this will affect, I believe, how we're going to proceed going forward. Mm. Yeah, that's an It'll interesting be interesting. Yeah. In a few yeah. weeks, we'll really see how the nooks and crannies will have taken shape. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the way you teach at home is something that's on your mind. Um, as far as the people that you've been speaking to, either at your school or in, or in your own professional learning networks, yes. um, what yes. would you say has been the biggest worry on their minds in relation to teaching remotely? The biggest worry, Dan, is that tech divide. Yeah. Students who do not have access or the ability to access technology from home, as well as who will be responsible in supporting them in learning from home. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as we spoke, because of certain uh, school neighborhoods, certain school uh, areas, um, the, the, the socioeconomics of those neighborhoods, uh, of those communities are very low and we are already supporting the students at school for yeah. basic necessities. What will happen now when you're asking them to come up with a phone, an iPad, a laptop, a desktop, do they have them? Where will they find them? Government services are closed. You can't just go to the library. Hmm. And if you have multiple children in a home, who's going to be privileged to learn? If all learning, say, is taking place between eight and three, who's going to be the student chosen to learn? And, and which one will be neglected? And what about our students who are in special education classes? They, that one-on-one -on -one is so critical. As well as what happens with our kindies, so junior kindergarten and kindergarten. This is now, you know, these are some of their formative years where they are learning, they're exploring, they're developing. What's going to happen with them? They they may sit at home and just play. Yeah, it's and also, what about those kids where the only safety they have is at school? You know, children That's that a, are yeah yeah that that That's opens the overarching. a whole yeah. Yes. It. You know what, Dan? It's a. It's a whole spider web, of of really of what ifs. fear yeah. of what ifs. Mm. If this happens, if then statements, and it's a whole spider web of fear and a whole spider web of of unknowns. Yeah. 
and they all tie in together. And I think that more than anything, educators have always done and wanted to do the best for their students. And they will, even during this time, they will, they will do the best for their students. Mm. It's just how we will proceed forward will be very interesting. And who, who will be accountable if, if the students are not doing what they need to do at home? How are we going to get those summative and formative assessments? Mm. How are we going to assess the students? What if they cannot provide us uh, if they don't have a scanner or a printer, as we said earlier, a printer. Uh, and we're we teachers and we to, don't have one, yeah. <laughs> and we're teachers and we don't have a printer. Yeah, yeah. Are we going to perhaps, is the government maybe preparing a package that will be delivered to every home and the students will follow along, we'll follow along with them, we'll guide them through their learning uh, with, a say, a package, a, you know, for some of our, mm. uh, say, secondary students who are not able to work uh, from a classroom, they're not able to learn from a classroom, sometimes they have modules that they can they take home mm. in order to achieve their high school credits. Are we going to follow that model? Uh, and if, if so, what will that look like? How are we going to support the students? We can't just go to their homes. We can't mm -hmm. call them on the phone. I mean, uh, and a lot of it is the parameters around also our collective agreement with our union. So what if a student needs help, say, in the evening? Will the working hours be different? There's a lot of unknowns, yeah. I believe, going forward. There's, there's really a lot of unknowns. And of course, we'll get directive from our school boards and our superiors. They'll mm. give us directive on, on how, uh, how, on all the five W's, how, what, when, why, who, <laughs> are, are, are we going to do this, you know? Yeah. It's interesting to, to think about whether, like you say, whether your government is going to send out you know, packets of worksheets to students that might be disadvantaged. And it's something I hadn't really thought about here. I don't, I don't think our government would do that. I think it would be up to individual schools and in regards to right. making, making phone calls with students, um, we've been told to check in with our students, whether we're doing that through uh, phone calls to the parents and just checking in to see how they're going as well as their child. Um, but with our middle and our senior students, we're going to be using, you know, a lot of online stuff, you know, like um, yeah. like online meeting tools like Zoom or Google Hangouts and things like that. But right. Right, what about those kids that don't have those things and and they and don't have accessible are not internet? Accountable. And, yeah, and that's and it is going to throw a lot of challenges our way, that's for sure. But I guess as teachers, um, we're pretty good at being thrown a challenge. So yes. I we are think, very resilient yeah, people. We are. We are a resilient people. So with all the experience that you've had, um, especially in other places, like you mentioned that yep. you, you have taught in um, Kuwait and in China and France as well. Yes. Um, are there are many people reaching out to you during this crisis and sort of asking about what you're doing and what your advice might be or... Well, Dan, it's interesting you say that because I still collaborate with an academy in China. So I'm still um, on retainer and I still collaborate with an academy out of China. And after our podcast at 730, <laughs> I will begin talking with them as well. Oh, so, wow. Yes, yes. They have been online this entire time from the day that they went full closure, that the students have been on time the entire I'm sorry, online 
the entire time learning online. Yeah. And so I have been, I, when I worked in China, it was, um, I've been doing, I did a summer academy there through the academy uh, that, I, that I work with. And then I have do, I do online learning with them. And so we use it through their WeChat, which is a, a national uh, yes. app that has grown in ampler and in size. And so I've been tutoring students and teaching classes of more than 10 for over, let's say, since 2017. So since I came back to Canada, it's about three years now. And wow. one of their coordinators is in London, Ontario, and she contacted me much the same way that, that we came in, uh, came in contact. And she asked, would you mind collaborating with us, setting up programs, uh, sending worksheets and sending stuff, you know, they have a different learning model. And so I've been doing that with them this entire time. They have been shut down, learning from home, doing their work at home. Yeah. That's interesting that you talk about the work that you're doing with China, because in the episode prior to this, I spoke to Troy Harkin and he's okay. at home, home in Missouri in the States at the yeah. moment, but works for the Shanghai international school. Um, and oh, when all no. this went down, he went home with his family because he's got young children. And so went back home for safety reasons, I guess, but he's teaching now across 20 time zones. So to me, yeah. that's a massive challenge. And then to yeah. throw the challenge with you as well. So you're doing much the same, really teaching across yeah. those time zones. You've got to set yourself locally. up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've been doing that now for three years. So I guess I'm a bit seasoned in it. And I know the expectation of the students and the expectation of the parents. Mm. So that cultural difference will, is also obvious. We, we know that in different areas of the world, students are learning differently. And they have different expectations than, mm. let's say, in the Western world. So that'll also be very, very different to see. And then I can have a good measure of what that looks like. Now, mm. as I said, I, I should have been in Kuwait currently. Um, but that, of course, got, got canceled, rightfully so. And I know that there as well, currently, when I speak to my other colleagues and when I spoke to the school that I was going to deliver workshops in, they've transitioned online because they don't want to have a cohort of students that are held back a year. Mm. There's so many private schools there. As I said, a strong majority of private schools as opposed to government schools. And they are an affluent, it's an, it's an affluent country. So mm. people are seeking, say, private education for a, a, a whole multitude of reasons. And those schools are moving full force forward with e-learning because they need to graduate those students, number one, for post-secondary scholarships, et cetera. They don't want to hold them back because then they'll ha it'll be a double cohort they'll, and they'll all be competing, you know, for a small pot of, of, of scholarships and, and mm. a university acceptance. Wow. Amongst uh, uh, globally, right? Let's say this, this could be globally. So they're moving full force forward. They've lobbied the government, the private schools, and they've said, we're moving forward. We have students who have already paid for their seat coming in. We have to, we got to move forward. So we're online and they are, they're online and they're teaching online. Yeah. So this isn't really a, um, a big stretch for these students then, is it? And with the support I of their families as well. You know, it's well, you know, Dan, as we said, different countries, different cities, different communities have different social economics, which are always a factor in students' learning. 
When basic needs are met, students thrive. They thrive. So there's always that factor as well. I think in the Asian culture, from my knowledge, education is a priority for different factors. And I know that my Asian students who I've been working with for many years now and all different levels, uh, they also have a, the ability to um, learn independently. I don't know if it's a, a form of child rearing. What I noticed when I was there is that parents really raise their children to be very independent from very young. So okay. I, I think that that could, that could be one of the factors that my students in Asia are able to work independently a little bit better, say, than my students in Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we just are a little bit more coddling. Maybe we baby our students more or we're, we're much more empathetic to, to, you know, to different circumstances in their lives. However, either way, if the basic needs are met, food, mm-hmm. shelter, safety, students will thrive. Yeah. So this is, this is, you know, circling back to what we said a, a little while ago, this is one of the things that educators are very concerned about. Yeah. And rightfully so. Um, oh yes. Oh, and, oh, oh yes. And I mean, it sounds like we work in similar socioeconomic areas and yeah, you know, but obviously I think we were talking earlier about um, the school I work at um, uses a lot of technology. So we kind of feel like we're ready. We kind of have a good sense of understanding what families do and what don't have internet but then circling back to what you said before about who's responsible at home, I was actually talking to a good friend on the phone today about, um, you know, the possibility of schools closing down. And this friend lives in Queensland. And so it's a little bit different than here, but she has a child in prep, which is the same as your kindergarten, I would say. And, okay. and I just, and she's worried about, you know, how do I make sure my prep student, my year one student, my year two student, she's got three, are all doing their homework. I can't do that all at one time. And, you know, I just said, well, your grade two student could read. They could probably do a lot of it on their own. And then you just switch between the two for your prep and your year one student. And I think with those prep students, um, okay. as long as we can get them reading, I think the rest they can catch up on very easily later on. I don't know what you think about that. Huh. I think it will will be left to see. Yeah. It'll be interesting. It's a new way. That's it. Teaching is now forever changed. Mm. We'll need to see. We will see the effects. And because so many areas are in the early adoption phase, we're going to see slowly, slowly, slowly all of the glitches weigh themselves out. Mm. I really hope... It'll be interesting. Yeah, I really hope that there's a researcher out there somewhere who is monitoring this and oh yeah, you know, and really taking note of what's happening because this is the perfect time to learn something new uh, for education. And I just hope someone is, I guess, part it's, of this podcast is chronicling part of that journey. I suppose, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 um it's an unprecedented time, and there the net under all of it is that people are afraid. People are afraid. Parents are afraid. And that fear can transfer to their students, you know, Mm. I'm sorry, transfer to their children. And 
it, it's it's a time of crisis and and it'll it'll all all of those factors will play into uh, how well the students will be on their own learning at home yeah, yeah. it's it'll be one more facet that if if the students don't know what to do will their parents have one more burden on their plate to help them will they be able to help them are they very focused on their own uh, sustainability of food and and water and shelter and and paying the the bills what what and how that will take shape we'll see we'll yeah. see we 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 really don't know i was listening yesterday to the the president of the united states and he they were asking him about a, a vaccine or or some kind of drug and he said i don't know maybe yes maybe no it might work we don't know but we need to try so i feel like with this maybe yes maybe no it might work it might not schools that are already doing this globally for them it's a seamless transition Mm. For those who aren't, we are in the infancy, early adoption stage, and, and we're going to have to just, you know, iron out those glitches as we go. Yeah. And I think we're really lucky as well, I guess, with Australia, Canada, the United States, um, a lot of the Western countries where the virus has hit most recently, in that yeah. Asia's been through it seven weeks before us. So, oh, we're yes. all, so we're already learning from them. I mean, you just have to look on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any of the social media platforms with just resources, ideas, support, just coming left, right and centre from teachers that have already been there, done yeah. that. Yeah. And they yeah. are already telling us what did work and what didn't work. And I just think oh, yeah. that's incredible. Like that we can live in that time in history where... Not only can can we face this crisis, but we can actually walk through the crisis together, regardless of where on the planet we are, which is amazing. Um, and speaking of that, I, I wanted to ask you if you had any advice for teachers that you are, you know just in supporting their students remotely. Stay calm, remain yeah. calm. Yeah, <laughs> remain calm and teach online. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's make that into a poster remain calm and teach online i think that one of the most important things is for educators to know that it's not going to be perfect because Mm. we are we are such um intellectual and creative and hands-on and very loving and compassionate and empathetic humans you you need Mm. to be those things to do this work yeah i feel that they may want it to be perfect and and they're going to want to to hold on to it so tightly however i feel that because many of us are just beginning me as well we're just learning we're just navigating through this it is okay if it goes wrong it is okay if you don't know what to do and just say that i feel that globally we're in a time where people are compassionate and loving to others and they will understand if you say, I don't know what to do right now, just give me a moment to figure this out or I'll yeah. get back to you. And as an instructional coach, and, and you know this as well, Dan, we don't know everything. We're not perfect. We have to ask and ask often mm. uh, in regards to questions that educators ask us. Yeah. I don't know everything. I, I can't tell you. And if I say something, then 
and it's wrong, you know, who's accountable for that? So I'm always very careful what I say and what I do because I want to come back to educators with the right answer. So I think yeah. it's not going to be perfect. It's going to be messy. It's going to be, um, it, it, it's going to be distracting and it's going to be all of the ugly until it goes smoothly. Yeah. I think you've given some really good advice there and, um, I think we're lucky that we can reach out to people and, you know, be vulnerable. There might be a lot of tears. There might be a lot of tears, Dan. I think there probably already has been, but I mean, (laughs) as long as, I mean, we need to keep seeing the positives and it's really hard when the media is so full of the negatives, but I think um, we need to stick together and, you know, as I end this episode of the podcast today, you know, I really wanted to emphasize that as teachers, we are traveling through such uncertain times, but it's important that we're sharing our experiences and that we are connecting with each other and that it is a really good opportunity to learn from the successes and values of others. I mean, yes. You know, yeah. Um, I guess for me, the biggest reason that I started this podcast was to do just that because yeah. I like helping teachers. That's, I get a real kick yeah. out of it. I love teaching children, don't get me wrong, but the biggest kick for me comes from seeing what a teacher can do with what I've taught them as well. So, um, But I'm so glad I had you on the program today. It's been so it was, great to talk to you. It's my pleasure, Dan. I, I, yeah. I feel reassured knowing <laughs> that I'm not the only one who is ready for uh, a storm yeah. coming. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So if you want to be a part of this podcast or if you would like to ask me a question, you can email me at dan at ponderingdan.com. You can also find me on all the socials, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at ponderingdan. Remember to follow Natasha on Twitter. That's at N-E-F-E-G-H-A-L-I, at N-E-Fagali. And check out her website, natashafagali.com, and I'll put the link for both of those in the description to this episode. But before we sign off, Tash, do you have any parting words? Uh, Be calm. Take it slowly. And one day at a time. We are all in this together. Yeah, exactly. Well said. So thank you again, everyone, for tuning in. Look after yourself, your family and your friends. And let's stick together. All the best for now. I'm Danny. Bye.